Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Uh, we're just chilling for a couple days. Just kind of going to take some big naps, maybe uh, have a cerveza or two, because the Cubs aren't playing for a couple days. They just wrapped their second sweep of the Pirates, and now they get to, to, to see the sights in jolly old England in advance of the London series against the Cardinals, a series uh, three years in the making. If, if folks remember, this was going to be the London series in 2020. Uh, I still remember, in fact, we were podcasting when the, the novel coronavirus was sort of starting to percolate and it was sort of like, is this going to impact spring training is this going to impact the season oh there's that whole london series thing this year the cubs are supposed to be going to play the cardinals this summer is that is that going to be affected and i remember that was one of the first things to get canceled as a matter of fact um now three years later we're back baby uh cubs going to uh play the cardinals for two games this weekend in england and we'll talk about that uh in a bit but want to put a button on the that like I said second series sweep in Pittsburgh the Cubs pulling it off once again on the strength of stringing together a lot of hits for, you know to, to put it as simplistically it's not like they were hitting a ton of home runs it's not like they were um, you know getting the singular ninth inning hit to win the game it was just sort of like in those latter innings against that Pirates bullpen or when the starter had worn down, they kind of put together some chunk innings uh, on, you know, a couple walks here, a couple hits here, a double here, and boom, all of a sudden it's like, oh, they've scored eight runs. Um, and we want to talk a little bit about how they've been doing it in this very brief window of time. Uh, what, if any of that translates in a projectable way going forward, and then trying to figure out what the real Cubs offense is. You know, I was um, I was on WGN last night, and the the host Josh Fryden asked, you know, the Cubs. You know, they had this stretch at the beginning of the season, and then they had this middle stretch where they couldn't score any runs, and now they have this. Which one's the real Cubs? And you know, I had to chuckle because I was like, I don't think any of them are the real Cubs. I think they've had three distinct sections, none of which I would say is actually the real Cubs. So uh, there's there's your setup, Sahadev. I know you wanted to talk about this a little bit. Yeah, well, I think what we're seeing is kind of what an offense looks like when, you know, I don't think this is too far from what we kind of saw in even in spring after all the moves had been made and what we saw what this team was going to be. You, you need a little bit of luck in the sense that you need good things to happen, things to go your way for this offense to really, you know, pile on the runs. And, and they've been able to do that the past two weeks. And I'm not saying it was solely bad luck that cost them over the previous, whatever it was, month and a half. But there were a lot of moments where you look at things and you say, man, they were getting men on base and they just couldn't get that big hit. And we had a big discussion of, of clutch and and whether this team was clutch or not and I don't think I I looked uh you know maybe two or three days ago uh at those clutch numbers are they better sure but the Cubs are still a bad team when it comes to the clutch statistic that Fangraph has but 
they don't need to be clutch Re- when you get when you get big hits in the fifth yeah. inning or Sorry, the was, sixth inning, right? I was when, totally going to steal that from you. Like, they don't. They <laughs> yeah. haven't had clutch. I was totally going to say that. I swear. I, I just <laughs> say they haven't had any clutch moments because they haven't needed they any don't, clutch. Yeah, because they're they're tacking on runs. They're 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 getting those hits before those moments arise. They don't. They're, they're, that that tense moment doesn't come up, and that. That makes the bullpen look better. That that makes everything look better when you don't have when you're not constantly playing three to two games, two to one games. Uh, my thing is, I don't know if that's always going to be there. We have the same question we had coming into the season: Where is the power? If you go look at how they're scoring runs, uh, maybe yesterday aside, or maybe even the last two games aside, I think they had a couple extra base hits, a lot of stringing to get together singles, taking walks, and getting single, 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 uh, and getting balls, finding, and the getting hole. hit by pitches. Their their yeah, hit by pitches like, have skyrocketed the last right couple weeks for whatever reason. And, and that's not a skill set, right? That's not a skill set. The walks and and putting the bat on the ball is a skill set. And I'm not trying to discredit them or say this is smoke and mirrors. It's more about uh, the way this team is going to win is what we said in the spring. And that's like they need to rely on pitching and defense. How do they sustain what's going on now? The offense is almost certainly going to go in a lull again, right? There's going to be moments where they're just not coming up with that big hit. But if they can scrape across two, three, four runs, you rely on the pitching. That's how this team can can win and and stay in contention like they are now. Uh, you know, I, I I think they've done what what we what we asked of them to say like going for un- until you change my mind going forward. Their sellers. I think they've done that, right? They've done that for now, right? Right now, I can't say that they're sellers when they're this close and playing this well. Uh, just keep that up, keep pitching and playing defense. I think we can see the team that we we came into the season with, and then at the trade deadline is when we start talking about how does this team change? How does this team? How does Jed cover up these holes? How does what what is Jed willing to do? for 2023 maybe even beyond to kind of cover up this main this big issue that that i think is the power or or does cody bellinger find his his stroke i think those are one of the one of those two uh can be a big answer to to how this team kind of covers up it its holds going forward well at the end of april or towards the end of april we were talking about the cubs as buyers towards the end of may it was cubs are definitely looking like sellers and now towards the end of june it looks like yeah they'll probably not sell which i guess is kind of a subtle difference to what those other two months were so clearly there's a lot of time for things to change but you guys are right they did exactly what they had to do i mean this is what the cubs kind of feared in terms of a team they didn't think was going to be the reds but like if the brewers went on an 11 game winning streak and the cubs were like sort of you know, lose a series, win a series in that pattern, this would look uh, totally different. But you have to give them credit for um, just destroying the Pirates' season, probably. Um, And not only putting up those wins, but just the manner in which they're doing it, I think, is sustainable, even with those valid concerns that Sahade presented about the offense. And Brett, I think you had a 
headline today on Bleacher Nation of like Kyle Hendricks has been way better than anyone could have reasonably expected. And uh, really up and down this rotation or one through four, excluding Jamison Tyone, it's been really, really good. And you see a bullpen that uh, is way more organized than it was just a couple weeks ago. And yes, they, they could lose two in London and, you know, then they're four under and you know, the schedule isn't really easy between now and uh, the all-star break, but they've absolutely given themselves a chance. And, and as long as no one runs away with it and they keep you know, winning series, uh, there's no reason to think that Jed would sell. Yeah. I think we said it on the last podcast that this, in this moment, given the history and the context, the front office is going to be way more likely to look for an excuse not to sell than to look for an excuse to sell. And so far, I mean, clearly, hands down, the last couple of weeks, the Cubs have screamed with their performance, uh, don't sell, don't sell. And and that doesn't mean that it will continue on, um, but it does mean in the same way we would look at the calendar and say, boy, they've, they've lost a lot of time. You know, they, they've, they've hung around at 500, you know, over a stretch, you know, where they've won as many as they've lost, but days chipped off the calendar. Um, they did it in the other direction this time. You know, they, they knocked off a big chunk of the calendar while pulling closer to 500 and banking a lot of wins. Um, can't lie. Uh, this is the time when I, said a couple months ago that I would be thinking a lot about like that Marlins series and some of those games that they, that, that loss in Houston games that just, they should not have lost that at the time you might think, well, you know, it's one game. We'll see if it matters, whatever. Well, now I'm looking at it and I'm like, damn it. You know, if they had won just like those two, well, then they're over 500 and this, you know, maybe it even looks different. Um, but anyway, Let's let's keep it uh, positive and forward looking because that's what the Cubs performance recently has justified. And that turns our sights to the London series against the Cardinals. Um, For so many reasons, you can't treat it as a regular series in terms of baseball analysis. In my view, you're playing in uh, another country on another continent bookended by tremendous travel and distraction and disruption to your schedule. You're playing in a ballpark that you're entirely unfamiliar with. Um, There's just a million reasons why it's like, and it's only two games. So there's a million reasons why the outcomes that are possible in this series are super wide, are not really going to be all that descriptive of true talent and, and all that. Um, But I guarantee Cubs, players, fans, everyone knows that this is a, it's a special moment because that's what this series is designed to be. And you've got a chance to play your biggest rival, regardless of their situation. Heck, maybe make them feel even worse about their season um, on a huge stage like this. So I think that too elevates the feelings around this series, uh, notwithstanding the fact that if the Cubs do win both these games, they are back at 500 for the first time in a very, very long time. And so I am really looking forward to this series and I am already trying to fight myself in terms of not like I have to 
fight with myself to let me treat it like a special and weird and one-off series and not just like, oh, it's just two games against the Cardinals and the Cardinals are bad, so they should win these games. They got the right starters going, et cetera, et cetera. It is different than that. Right, and and I think, uh, you know, they're uh, in 19... It, I'm trying to remember, was it Red Sox-Yankees in 19? 19, yep. The London series, and there were a ton of home runs... I think there are two things that may be different now. The ball isn't the same. I'm assuming they were using the balls. It was the juiced that, ball, yep. That were juiced uh, in 19. So the ball's a little less juiced. And I believe they changed the dimensions this time. And, and it's going to be deeper uh, by 5 to 10 to 20 feet. Something like that. Maybe not 20 feet, but like maybe 10-ish feet. Uh, so that's, that's, that's significant. And that matters because of what I was just talking about. The Cubs' strength is pitching a defense. David Ross is making a statement by kind of restarting his his rotation here with Justin Steele and Marcus Stroman. Uh, We'll see how the rest of the season goes, but this is a nice... I think these... You can look at this multiple ways, right? These two days off. Uh, The Cubs are hot. You don't want them to have these two days off. This weird travel. This is going to throw them off and, 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 you know, screw everything up. I get that, but David Ross essentially gets an extra start out of Marcus Stroman. Assuming he stays on schedule, he just got him an extra start this season. And I think I'm I know I'm starting to get that feeling when I see Marcus Stroman starting, it's like the Cubs have a really good chance to win. I don't care what the lineup looks like, I don't care which team they're playing. Right now, Marcus Stroman is in one of those runs where and and David Ross said it the other day feels like wind day this is wind day it's it's the same feeling you got in 2020 when when you darvish took the mound and, and kyle hendricks was kind of in that role as well right the end of 2019 when when you darvish was was on that role uh this is this is kind of a, a moment uh david ross hasn't had uh in a full season you, you know what i mean he hasn't had this type of rotation he hasn't had this type of pitcher uh, in a 162 game season, uh, you know, I don't know if they'll look to get uh, Marcus Stroman a little rest at another point and, and kind of uh, space these things out. But right now they're riding him. And, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, this series, I, I know you don't want to make it bigger than it is as far as the value of of the series and 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 that and everything. And it, it feels big to me in the sense that Stomp out the Cardinals, who who have won two series in a row. Don't don't do what you did last time. Stomp them out and get back to five hundred. The feeling the team ha- would would have getting off that plane, coming back to Chicago, back to five hundred. Fans are rejuvenated. Uh, I I just think like Wrigley could be buzzing at, at that point. I think it would be a really big deal if they if they take two here, get back to – like I think getting to 500 is significant mentally. Uh, it, it matters it just, you know, as far as nationally taking them seriously. I don't think anybody's taking the Cubs seriously outside of our Cubs world right now, right? We, we're, we're paying attention to what, what they're doing because we that's what we do. We, we cover the team. But nationally – the Reds are getting all the attention, not the Cubs. And the Cubs are in 500. It's really hard to take a team that's not 500 super seriously. So get to 500, show us that that this is real, and and just stomp out a team that you're better than. It's Adam Wainwright and Jack Flaherty. This, these aren't you know 
five years ago, that's a scary matchup. That shouldn't be a scary matchup this this weekend. This team needs to win these games. They have their two best pitchers on the mound. Come back into town and 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 fire up this city for for a summer run. That's what what needs to happen. I think. I think it's also a big deal that the Cubs are not like a national embarrassment right now. Like for yeah. all those people <laughs> uh, flying on the team charter. Uh, my understanding is that you know, Tom Ricketts had gone to the London series back in 2019. Uh, he has a lot of history in that city. Um, he had, I don't know if he still does, but he had like an office uh, there um, and obviously tried to buy uh, Chelsea, the uh, Premier League soccer team uh, a couple years ago. Uh, I believe Paul Sullivan mentioned something like 197 Cubs employees on uh, one of the charter trips. I know it's a big deal for, um, I don't know if that's all on one plane. I think Sully had a number, but anecdotally, there's, you know, this is a huge trip for the, you know, business side, for clients, for, you know, just kind of being in the spotlight again. And, you know, Sahadev knows this, like when we're on the road sometimes, it just feels like the Cubs are on an island. You know, like Jed doesn't travel with the team that much. Carter Hawkins ra- rarely does. Like it's, you know, kind of David Ross's show in a really small uh, group and, you know, some other front office personnel here and there. But like this is just one of those events where there's going to be a lot of focus on like, OK, where are the Cubs at right now? And, you know, a month ago, this looked like, you know, just a next level awkward uh, of, you know, the Cubs kind of slinking into London uh, you know, the Marcus Stroman start there would have been all about uh, him getting traded. And you're right about the national perceptions, Hadev. I mean, our Jim Bowden or MLB.com, like Cubs players are still on those trade ship power ranking lists or whatever. And they probably will be until they get to 500. But I mean, you can see it now, um, you know, whether or not the Cubs believed this 100% when they were talking themselves into it's a long season and, you know, we have the pieces here. But there is like an identifiable formula for how they can stay viable uh, and keep winning and not only not make this a hard decision on Jed Hoyer's front office, but make it a pretty straightforward one just to make some couple smaller moves to uh, put them in a position to contend uh into september and maybe october and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games visit directtv.com Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's something also to be said in these types of marquee events for the potential for fan creation, which to us, as older gents who've been around a very long time, we may forget what it's like when you are younger or newer to something and how... Uh, Very little can go into creating a fan. I I see this up close and personal with my son right now, who's 10, and uh, in various sports, the things that suddenly can make him just a diehard fan of a particular team in a particular league, it doesn't take much. And so I do think about in an international 
display like this that, you know, there's if you put on a really good show, I think you can make some fans. I think you can make some international fans that maybe kind of want to dip their toe in the baseball world. What is this sport with a, a stick that's not quite cricket? Um, and I think that that is, I think, I just think there's a non-zero element there to the opportunity that maybe is more appealing to Crane Kenny and the business side than um, anyone in baseball operations. And they certainly wouldn't operate with this in mind. But, you know, when we talk about the the finances of the organization and the wheel, wheelbarrows of cash that haven't quite been as full as hoped, <laughs> I think that probably there is some, you know, the machinations going on behind the scenes of like, okay, how can this translate into some, some extra fans, especially as we are increasingly entering a very flat world in terms of baseball distribution and broadcast rights and how they're going to sort out international rights and street dedicated streaming, all of these things. I think probably the Cubs are thinking about that. uh, Those of us who became fans in the WGN world of, of, universal distribution across the country we're we're not young anymore and you don't have that same ability to just trade on the fact that your games are available everywhere and therefore there will always be new generations of cubs fans coming disproportionate to other organizations and so you have to look at opportunities like this to say hey can't hurt to put on a really good show here you know uh I don't know if there's anyone like this, but you know what would help if there was like this international superstar that was available in free agency this winter who it could crosses my mind. It? it crosses my like, mind. That would gain a lot. Signing that guy would get you a ton of fans. I bet. I bet if you if that guy that, that I just created in my mind <laughs> existed. <laughs> well, it's not like you that, can't like pitch and hit. You got to get like two different right? guys for that. Okay, maybe maybe I'm being a little too dramatic by creating this person, but yeah, no. But beyond that, another one other thing I wanted to say uh, that that I that I think uh, maybe has gone, maybe it hasn't gone overlooked. But I think it, it's so easy to react to a month, two months of baseball, right? Or just put someone on the scrap heap, and we all and I. I'm not just. I'm not singling out fans. I'm not saying Patrick or Brett. No, it's Patrick. I do this too. It's we, we, yeah. We, yeah, that was me. We, we're so we're we're always ready to to just kick guys out. Uh, Michael Fulmer is an important part of this bullpen right now. Uh, they they need guys like that. I, I think the something someone like Nick Madrigal. I don't know what type of future he has with the Cubs because of what I was talking about before with the power aspect and they really need more power not more contact and average but he's looked he's starting to look a little bit more comfortable at the plate at the major league level he got a big hit yesterday he's starting to hit line drives to the outfield I'm a little curious what 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 can what can Nick Madrigal do for this team I again I'm not sure if that's the guy that that I'm saying like Nick Madrigal is a big part of the Cubs future but I think he has a little bit more value than than originally thought uh, coming into this season as we were so ready to write him off. And frankly, he looks pretty good at third base. I'm shocked by that. I, I know I mocked that quite a bit uh, <laughs> with when, when they decided that. And and that, that basically brings me to where their strength is their pitching. I We have to have seen the worst of Jameson Tyon. If he's... If he's 
can be if he can stabilize and be a better pitcher going forward, it's it's a real strength. Then now you have five guys that that you trust, and then we're getting to the point now that if anything strange happens, any injuries, Ben Brown is knocking on the door. We've pushed deep enough into the season now where they can start thinking about that if they have a moment that arises that they need to call this guy up. He's it, it's it's getting there. It, it's time to to call him up if they have a need. So now we're talking again about that depth that that suddenly disappeared. Uh, maybe maybe they have it again. You talked about Kyle Hendricks, him being as good as he is. Although I don't love that whatever thirteen percent strikeout rate. That's uh, it, fine. It's Kyle Hendricks. He may, maybe he'll start uh, getting a little more swing and miss with the changeup. And, and will he can rely on the soft contact. But uh, I, I just think, you know, a lot of the negativity about certain players, uh, sometimes we we just uh, we're, we're so quick to react to to 30 games. Um, someone like uh, Miles Masterbroni is written off as as complete for a fodder. And maybe he is. Uh, but then someone like Mike Talkman comes in and has uh, a great month, and and we're we're all shocked by it, right? We're we're like, where did this guy come from? And he's been huge and and hugely important. So it, it's a, baseball is so weird and so random sometimes that it's always it, it just always intrigues me that that guys that I'm ready to write off, I'm like, oh, we've given this guy they've given this guy too long of a leash as it is. Uh, they come back and and they and they perform in ways that that we didn't uh, fully appreciate that they were capable of, or or they finally live up to expectations. I, I think it's important to remember that as they as certain guys bounce back and as we wait for others to kind of get back to the performance that was expected of them. That is a good reminder. I think I'm going to try and uh, look at the rest of this season with a fresh set of eyes in the sense that. Um, and I think Sahad, of you would agree with me on this one that you have <laughs> Jed Hoyer being like, we need to sweep series and win like 10 games in a row. And then you have David Ross saying, we have to take this one day at a time. And there's a very interesting, that's the nature of their jobs though, right? Of like where they have to look at things and how they have to manage and process their days and individual routines. But they've gotten almost back towards the break even point here let's just say it is considering how close they are to first place it's like okay there's been some good things some bad things they have a chance now so what are you going to do with this opportunity and i think that's how um they should be judged from here and now how is jed going to handle a very tricky uh trade deadline because jed has been he obviously has World Series rings. He's got a ton of experience, but he's kind of a paint-by-numbers executive, and I don't really mean that as like a criticism, but he's very logical and methodical, and he was this counterbalance to Theo Epstein's uh, wild moods uh, at times. And now David Ross, I think, probably deserves some credit for pulling this team uh, out of the abyss, but also... (laughs) he might have drove them into a ditch as well. Like it's really hard to, you know, kind of assign blame and credit or divide that up when the coaching staff and the front office are really kind of intertwined here. So it's, it's all in front of them now. They've given them a chance and we'll see if they uh, waste it or not. If, you know, 
they'll certainly be laughing at us if they don't sell and they have a really strong second half. But we told you so. We always believed in this group. Yeah, right. Or this could have been a huge tease that, you know, they lose to in London. Uh, you know, they lose three or four in Milwaukee. They get swept at Yankee Stadium. And all of a sudden, all of our narratives are scrambled again. So it's it's up to them now. Well, and we can we live in a world of probabilities and I think if we were being honest as we sit here, it still is much more likely than not that they end up in a place where selling feels like the right decision. You know, I, I, I don't want to, that isn't me trying to pour cold water on how enjoyable the la- and important the last two weeks have been because all of that is true. And I'm, I'm right there celebrating it with every other fan it's just that I, if you ask me to take a dispassionate view of what I see from this team and what I see ahead, um, I, you know, it would be more surprising than not if they continue to turn it on from here for a lot of the reasons that Sahad have noticed, noted at the top, that the, the way they've been scoring the runs and winning these games during this stretch feels like it wouldn't last enough to, to keep this going for another month and a half. Um, they're going to need some more power generation. And I'm not sure where that comes from unless, um, like he said, Cody Bellinger really turns it back on. And maybe Christopher Morrell is this dude. And um, Mike Talkman continues to be a pleasant surprise. I mean, there's reasons you could talk yourself into all of these things. But I think that um, it's okay to still let yourself be straddling that line of like, I'm really enjoying this, but I'm still not sure about what's coming next. Um, let me end it on a, on a positive note inspired by Sahadev's point about how weird the sport is and how quickly things can move and how we, you know, the difference between amount of time and sample sizes on individual players. I, I noticed this week with, you know, tongue half in cheek, but somewhat serious that uh, Tucker Barnhart was a guy who was completely uh, punted mentally by Cubs fans, certainly on the offensive side. And um, I think a lot of them felt like he wasn't showing them whatever, whatever this would look like. He wasn't showing them enough on the, the, you know, soft factor side of catching to, for them to want to keep him. And I think I got most to buy into the idea that even if you believe that stuff, Catching depth is important. You don't know what's going to happen. Miguel Amaya could get hurt or Jan Gomes could get hurt, and you'd be really screwed if you didn't have Tucker Barnhart still. So, you know, I I still saw the value in keeping him around. Well, you know, he had one game in Pittsburgh this week, one game where he hit a home run and took a walk. That was it. That was all that happened in a single game. And that one late June game was enough to catapult him from one of the five worst bats in baseball, even at his playing time level, 90 plate appearances, uh, catapult him from like fifth worst to the 31st worst. You got to flip to the second page on fan graphs to find him now. Um, and the point there is not to say he's been great. The overall numbers are still quite abysmal, but the point instead is it's a huge leap from one game that wasn't even that good of a game. That's how early it is for him in terms of sample size um and so i think you are a bit it's a bit silly to to point to where he is offensively and be like wow he's clearly totally toast offensively and he's not worth keeping around and you know defense or whatever 
which the flip side of that is, I don't know, defensive metrics for catchers, probably not stabilizing yet, but framing rates do. They stabilize very quickly. And, you know, his overall defensive value on a per game basis, he's like one of the three best catchers in baseball. Just saying. So I think um, we should keep that in mind as we evaluate these guys that that are very much part-time players and note that things can turn quickly. Um, there is some quality depth on this team. It is good to have a guy like Barnhart around. Uh, clearly, Marcus Stroman loves pitching to Barnhart because he's had some tremendous success with him behind the plate. Um, and, you know, that's been a nice, nice positive, and hopefully that continues to turn a bit. Um, and I'm digging the three catcher setup the Cubs have going on where they can get Amaya's bat in there on the regular and, and not have to worry about, uh Oh, are we going to lose catcher for the game? If somebody gets hurt? Um, I like the way that's going. So there's my positive note there for the end. Um, Cubs, uh, are already, I shouldn't even say they're going to England. They're already there. Uh, I've seen some of the early pictures and hopefully they're enjoying maybe enjoy the sights today and then sort of settle back in to try to get into somewhat of a routine for Saturday's opener of the London series against the Cardinals. And we will talk to you next week. This is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Read theirs at The Athletic. And we appreciate you as always. Hope it's a great weekend for you. And we'll talk to you soon. 